0: Hello and welcome to LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. This is Stephanie Colvin and I am your host. Thank you for joining me again this week and for your patience. I have had a lot going on in my life, so I haven't been able to regularly post or publish on a weekly basis, but um want to make sure that when I do that I am in tune with the Lord so that I'm sharing my faith and testimony as well as my witness. Um, and it is consecrated by the spirit of God, the Holy ghost. So when I struggle to feel the spirit, I will not be recording. Um, I appreciate the messages that I've received, the love that's been shared. Also the support and the rah, rah. Thank you so much for, uh, reaching out to me and just being so kind and for including me in your prayers. Much love to you all and aloha. And I really appreciate the, uh, Just the feeling that we have as being saints and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, just that community feeling, even though um, what bridges us is uh, oftentimes this podcast, email or direct messages. So just thank you for just uh, letting me to be a part of your life. This week's episode I'm going to be uh, talking about plural marriage, which is a hard topic in our faith to discuss whether you're a member or not, and then I'll be touching on sexual purity as well. So if you're new, welcome, and thanks again for joining us. The scriptures teach, truth is knowledge of things as they are, and as they were, and as they are to come. Truth looks backward and forward. Expanding the perspective of our small point in time. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth shows us the way to eternal life. I listened to a podcast, and I mentioned this one before, called Unshaken Saints with Jared Halverson. He teaches at BYU. He does a YouTube and podcast channel. And um, I love the way he teaches, the way his mind works, and the way that he uh, presents the information. Um, He's got a very good grasp of vocabulary, and I wish I could be more like him when I grow up. He was talking about recently in his latest episode on Shaken Saints um, about sexual purity and really kind of honing in because we're on DNC and the early 130s this week about the um, plurality uh, of marriage, the commandment from God with the earlier saints. And what I like about him covering this is that this is a hard topic. I think that even for LDS members to talk about, oftentimes we don't know enough about it to talk about it or to understand our history Um, Or maybe we just feel like it's not important for us to know to play into our faith foundation and our membership in the Church of Jesus Christ, and you just trust the Savior and Heavenly Father. Wherever you fall on that scale, um, there are people all over that scale of understanding of the commandment of plural marriage. And as we continue to spread the gospel and assist in the gathering of Israel, Uh, We're having more and more persecution as we approach the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is uh, Lucifer's last stand, and so we're really dealing with a lot of fiery darts that are being thrown at the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it's important to note that when we look at the past and the earlier saints in the 1800s, that we remember that this is the 19th century. This is an age or time of, uh, it's the Victorian age Um, modesty and sexuality was very different at that time and uh, we need to make sure that we're putting context around uh, these stories as we continue to learn about the earlier Saints and read and Doctrine and Covenants and see the revelations that were given to Joseph Smith and others who were spearheading um, the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ here on earth for me personally I had an issue, as I'm sure with anybody, and even the earlier saints did with the plur- plural marriage commandment. Um, as a matter of fact, it bothered me enough for me to do my own research a couple years ago. And through that research, I had gone to the church website, and then of course to the good resources that we have, the scriptures, and referencing things. But I had also come across a couple articles on the church website, and. Through that research, not only did I understand better kind of what was going on at that time that that command was given to Joseph, but also the expectations, the society, um, the way that the community felt, the LDS community, how they felt about that command. And um, this was not a well-received command, and it was very confusing for many of them. But I think that we do tend to put our 21st century glasses on as we judge the earlier saints and come up with our uh, opinions and our biases. And um, what I really want to be able to point out is that the earlier saints were probably no more offended than we are when we talk about Uh, plural marriage and the place that it has we know that within the celestial glory and celestial law that this happens in heaven that it is perpetuated throughout um, the scriptures and then of course our passing that we've learned about it the answer that i have received is um, i want to say two or threefold number one would be Was that command given to test the earlier saints in their faith? I don't know, but I do know that the good Lord tests us in many different ways. Uh, Number two, I know it was very difficult for Joseph and the others to um, follow that command. As a matter of fact, it was so difficult that there was an angel that had appeared to Joseph with a sword telling him that he needs to obey the command. So this is how important it was um, to the restoration of the gospel here on earth. And then number three is I received through my own personal studying and researching and asking God answer. And for me, that answer is very simple. There are things that I just don't know right now. And there are things that I'm going to learn later and things that i may learn that are going to have to wait until i pass on but i have confidence knowing that whatever knowledge i acquire about the um, plural marriage command will be enough for me to understand and that i'll be okay with it at that time so i leave it at that Uh, and this is what happens when the holy ghost speaks to our hearts As he speaks to us with a sureness, a firmness of truth and light, the pure truth of eternal doctrine and teachings. And that's acceptable to me. And that's all I need to know. Um, Just because, you know, maybe through missionary work or even the podcast, the opportunities I'm given where people, especially people who are anti-LDS, constantly bring this up does not make it so that I deviate from my discipleship of Jesus Christ and his church and kingdom here on earth. If anything, I think it's easy to take a situation of really anything, whether it be religion, uh, some sort of ideology, a lifestyle, a belief, and come up with some sort of quick infographic that just tears it down. If you're looking for offense or to be negative or to persecute, you can do that with most anything. For that's the nature of the fall. Um, but that negates the depth of the command and the teaching. And what is the gospel of Jesus Christ if it's not deep? So when people, especially when I do mystery work, bring that up, I have no hesitancies answering it as the Spirit prompts me to. Um, I don't believe that the history of the church really plays into the discipleship for today. Um, I think that is something that happened at that time. And it was for those saints. We have different trials and challenges that we face now um, that are for us. And this time in dispensation that they didn't have to face or endure or have to go through. And it was the same for them. So the command of plural marriage does not play into my faith and belief that this is the one gospel and church church of Jesus Christ here on earth for he keeps it simple the one that likes to confuse and make things difficult and complex is Lucifer it's not heavenly father in Jesus Christ and um, we need to remember that and I have to remind myself of that often I think some of these things are the tougher you know subjects that we have to address as being members of the church Um, And we need to be more comfortable in addressing these topics, which can be very, very hard, especially if we haven't put the time and effort in into understanding our history. Um, I know that even within the church, there are members that struggle with this. And so if you're struggling with this topic, um, or even if it's the race issue with the priesthood, I really encourage you to do your own research Um, Look in the good books, look in the good resources, pray about it, study it out, and you will come up with an answer through the Spirit, even the Holy Ghost, that will suffice, that will be satisfactory to you. And then you will be able to address these tougher subjects with people who are against the church or are inquiring about the church or just simply want to know more and want to understand and you know what that might actually be somebody that's in the church that just doesn't know that hasn't put the time in for whatever reason and um, at that point you'll be able to share your testimony and faith on that command and what they went through honestly if the anti-LDS community and those that are um, researching the church or investigating the church didn't constantly ask these questions. I probably wouldn't have even felt the need to study it out because for me personally, I trust my Heavenly Father and my Savior Jesus Christ. Um, but because we do get these questions often, and this these are the first two topics that they love to bring up when they like to uh, persecute the saints um i just felt like it was important especially because i'm doing this podcast in such a public forum that uh, i understand and have my own testimony about that command and what they went through so we've got to be careful we don't want to live using history to oppress ourselves and to beat ourselves down but we want to be aware of the history um and know what we're talking about. And it's okay if you're asked a question about the history of the church and you just don't have an answer. And I would say something, you know what? I'm not sure about that, but let me do some research and I'll get back to you. Or, um, you know, that's a great question. And it's just not something I have felt like that I need to research and study because what I know is enough. Um... And I think, too, is that we've got to be forward, be willing to have these conversations. Um, The tough conversations and the tough questions are the ones that are really going to, um, if anything, persuade if we answer it with faith and testimony, the investigator, um, and that we don't look as if we're running from that particular question or that history that uh, is the beginning of the restoration of the gospel here on earth. I think it's so uh, fascinating how people can be totally put off um, because the church hasn't consistently been here on earth and they feel like, well, if it's Christ's church, it it would have been here the whole time. And why would he take it from us? Why would he, you know, make it so that we don't have it in our lives and so many generations lived here on earth without it? Um... And that again, to me, is a question of somebody who just doesn't have the knowledge or understanding. And so it's important that we don't be offended. It's important that we take these opportunities to try to share and open up and to educate. And I think that uh, that can have more of an impact versus, um, you know, trying to just uh, gloss over the question, run away from the question. Or um, just not address the question at all. Um, Which, you know, doing missionary work, you know, we know that every member is a missionary. If you're actively out there working as a ward missionary, it can be tough. Uh, They they like to go online and they like to do their own research. And uh, let's face it. There's a lot of negative stuff online about us that, from people that don't even have a clue as to what they're talking about, and even some of the ex-members, people who have been excommunicated, people who continue to persecute the church. Um, at that point, when they've made these decisions, they feel they fell under the veil of darkness and dark fog. So when they're, um, you know, saying that, oh well, I know because I was a member. Um, no, you don't know because you lost your faith, you lost your testimony, therefore you're not a reliable source to be talking about the church and um, what the church is about. So going back to the sexual purity portion of this conversation that I would like to have, this um discussion is if we really consider the 21st century and how we live now we are over sexualized we are hypersexualized. Um oftentimes we are identifying ourselves by our sexual preference and this simply was not the case in the way it was in the 19th century they didn't have a lot of the technology and resources that we have. They weren't exposed and every time they turned around to have just this over sexualized agenda constantly in your face. Um, Whereas right now that is what we have and my heart really goes out to the youth of today because they are just absolutely inundated and surrounded. When we talk about Lucifer ramping up his efforts exponentially to derail the saints and to take us off the path that leads us to eternal happiness and celestial glory, um, he's been very uh, devious in his approach. And using sexuality has been one of his weapons in his arsenal for a long time. Um, I do think that uh, talking about sexuality and the purity of sexuality within an intimate relationship between a man and a woman under the confines of marriage um, is not something that we really talk about in the church, and I get it. It's a um, a private conversation that is to be had, but I believe that it's up to the parents to try to work with the youth and their children. to be able to help them to understand healthy enriched uplifting edifying intimate relationships within the confines of marriage um are we talking enough about the law of chastity and keeping yourself chaste um, and then getting married so therefore you're having one partner, one marriage, one spouse, and one intimate partner. Um, I'm not sure these conversations are happening often, and I think the youth don't want to really have these conversations. Uh, It's an uncomfortable conversation to have, and it's kind of taboo, it seems like, and I get it. Because of the way society is, everything is just simply over sexualized from commercials to movies to television shows to ads and billboards, um, even oftentimes to the curriculum and within our schools, which is why it's so important that the parents are very aware Of what the kids are doing and what's going on in their lives but let's face it not all children have parents who have that ability for whatever reason um maybe their parents are divorced maybe you know one of their uh, parents has passed on maybe they don't have either of their parents maybe um they're in the church and going to you know living the gospel and doing the best they can but whoever their guardians are aren't in the church uh, maybe their examples in their life have been, um, very worldly and, um, there's a lot of different scenarios and, uh, family, complex family situations that we're seeing nowadays that just simply didn't happen in the 19th century at the level it does today. And so these conversations are very important for us to have. We need to let, um the youth know and help them to understand the place for intimacy um, for sexual purity and how that can really deepen a relationship um, under the confines of marriage and how it's necessary to have uh, to continue the longevity of the relationship but also i think most importantly is to bring the man and the woman close together through the uh, bonding that happens because you're inviting the Holy Ghost into your relationship. And um, that's been something that I've had to learn. And I've been very open before about uh, my sexual issues, especially stemming from the early on sexual abuse in my life And so I had to kind of reprogram my brain and learn how to have an intimate relationship with my husband that is acceptable to the Lord. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, has been central to teaching that to me and is a part of that process. Um, The Holy Ghost is uh, the Spirit that can help us Um, have an intimate relationship with our spouse that is um, pleasing to Heavenly Father. Because remember, this is a divine act. This is how children are created, even spirit children. This is a godly act. But unfortunately, the world has done everything in its power to make it seem fleeting, Um, to make it seem as if it's not a big deal and uh, to just really kind of muddy the waters um, when it comes to intimacy and just make uh, sexuality uh, very perverted and gross and disgusting. And you can kind of see it in society now, even on social media, You'll have somebody post, let's say, a TikTok, and um, they'll talk about how their child is still sleeping with them at the age of three in their bed. And inevitably, in the comment section, there'll be someone who says, You need to knock that off. That is completely inappropriate. There's no need for a three year old, let's say, girl, toddler, to be in the same bed as the father. And that to me is the result of the hypersexualized society that we live in never in my wildest dreams would i ever think of saying that to somebody who is um dealing with a you know a toddler who's two or three years old and is having a difficult time sleeping at night i mean i'm kind of embarrassed to admit it although not really that i think the last time i slept in my parents room was when i was 17. um and i would go in there from time to time if i was feeling lonely or if i was scared or if i just had things going on because in my life i had oftentimes had experiences with um, spirits that were adversarial and so i had no uh, reservations in grabbing my pillow and blanket and going into my parents room that room was a room of uh, safety and love and protection and that's very much what my parents gave to us but now in 2021 You know you say that and everybody thinks it's weird and you know you shouldn't be doing that and it's like you know you know what they're still my parents I'm their daughter they love me I love them it's okay and we've got to stop looking at everything in this um you know this this adverse sexual way um And I think that's where the Holy Ghost really comes into play. The Holy Ghost has been able to help me understand um, an intimate relationship with my husband that is acceptable to God. And um, I'm not going to, it's just like keeping the Sabbath day holy. They don't tell us exactly what to do per se. You know, what you can eat, what you can drink, what you can do, because let's face it, the definition of keeping the Sabbath day holy can be different. to each family member to each person and it's okay so the same thing goes with the intimacy that is going to uh and needs to be a part of the marriage relationship um it's up to them it's the man and and woman the man and wife the husband and wife to figure out what their intimacy is going to entail When you invite the spirit into that relationship, the spirit will guide you and help you to know and understand uh, what type of intimacy is appropriate, especially if you've been sealed in the temple and you go through the temple. um, It really kind of, for me, dialed that in and helped me to understand in a different way. And that's what temples do. I mean, they're a piece of heaven here on earth. And it's that higher education that you acquire when you go into the temple. So if you have not yet been, please do whatever you can to situate your life in a manner and a way so that you can obtain a temple recommend and get to the temple. Um, It's so imperative to our understanding of uh, the ceiling between a husband and a wife and um, really the role and what that entails while we're here on earth. I really want to encourage any parents that are listening to this to be able to uh, pray and uh, figure out how you can talk to your youth about intimacy and the appropriate place for it and and, um, even what the church teaches about intimacy. There's actually uh, several good talks about it And there's a couple of books, one in particular that I bought from Deseret Books um, about, you know, the place for intimacy within a marriage, and it highlights the fact of how important it is for that affection, for that closeness, for that bonding that is, um, what's the word, that is okayed or affirmed, that is... um, validated by the spirit of god which is the holy ghost and uh, we need to be having these conversations with our youth so that they understand especially so that they understand we've got to counter the world and what they're being exposed to what the world is teaching is okay and appropriate is completely opposite of what god and christ teach us about what is okay and appropriate within the confines of a marriage, intimacy, and being chaste? Bear with me here as I am dealing with allergies. Our weather here in Ventura has been going back and forth between being cold on some days and warm on others. Uh, So talking about plural marriage, President Nelson recently said in a talk titled Stand as True Millennials, reminds us that God has always asked his covenant children to do difficult things Um, for throughout the history of the earth. This is a commonality that's happened with every group of people that have lived here. And today is no different. And it was not any different for the earlier saints as they were restoring the gospel of Jesus Christ here on earth. We know that marriage is to be between one man and one woman, and this is the Lord's law, unless he commands otherwise. And in Jacob chapter 2, verses 27 through 30, this is the most popular verses that support this. And it reads, Wherefore, my brethren, hear me and hearken to the word of the Lord. For there shall not any man among you have save it be one wife and concubines. He shall have none. For I, the Lord God, delight in the chastity of women, and whoredoms are an abomination before me, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Wherefore this people shall keep my commandments, saith the Lord of hosts, or cursed be the land for their sakes. For if I will, saith the Lord of hosts, raise up seed unto me, I will command my people, otherwise they shall hearken unto these things. And for many early saints, this is one of the most difficult requirements and commandments from God, was for them to live the principle of plural marriage. Um, Joseph Smith prayed as early as 1831 to understand why some ancient prophets and Israelite kings practiced plural marriage. Remember the promise to Nephi uh, in First Nephi, who also wanted to know and understand the vision that his father had, had received we too, through prayer, fasting, journaling, and studying the scriptures, can ask hard questions as well and receive answers from the Spirit of the Lord to help us to come to understand and to continue to remain faithful. Um, A thought that does come to mind is, uh, as we talk about plural marriage and the history of plural marriage, of course, we know about Uh, David and Solomon, and, you know, even in the history of throughout the Bible, we've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They practiced plural marriage, and uh, some of them did it to the letter of the law as put forth by God, and some did not, and they took it further, and it went into other more perverted areas um, that, unfortunately, mankind can definitely be a part of as part of the fall and living here on earth. Um, When the restoration occurred, we do believe as it says in the articles of faith in the um, original organization of the church and plural marriage was part of that. And so as I was doing my studying Plural marriage as a commandment to the earlier saints was part of the restoration of all things as God was looking to restore things as it once was here on the earth. So if we go to Doctrine and Covenants uh, section 132, we've been in this section this last week, um, verses 34 through 37. These are powerful, powerful passages here. God commanded Abraham and Sarah, uh, gave Hagar to Abraham to wife, why did she do that why would sarah give another woman to a husband that she loved and adored Uh, sarah is someone who is an example of faith and obedience even when it got tough and because this was the law she obeyed the law now because she was willing to obey the law and support her husband in keeping this commandment from god From Hagar sprang forth many people. So this, therefore, was the fulfilling, among other things, the promises that were made because we are a covenant-keeping people. So starting in verse 36, it says, Abraham was commanded to offer his son Isaac. Nevertheless, it was written, thou shalt not kill. Abraham, however, did not refuse and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So we know that commands will change due to circumstances. And also, this was a chance for Abraham to prove that he does have great faith and that he trusts in the Lord. We have verse 37 that says Abraham received concubines and they bore him children. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness because they were given unto him. And he abode in my law as Isaac also and Jacob did none other things than that which they were commanded. And because they did none other things than that which they were commanded, they have entered into their exaltation according to the promises and sit upon thrones and are not angels, but are gods. It is in and through obedience that we prove ourselves forthwith to inherit the celestial kingdom. And we will each have our own Gethsemane and Abraham and even Sarah-like moments. It's simply the nature of this experience because we are here to prove ourselves, to return back into the presence of Heavenly Father. We know that the celestial kingdom has a highest degree of glory and we have to live a life that warrants us to receive that glory and all that comes with it. So, if you go back, um, I believe it's in verse thirty-seven. <clears throat> because Abraham abode in God's law, because he did what was asked of him, and nothing else but what was commanded of him. Also, as well as Isaac and Jacob, they that and in- basically entered them, entitled them into exaltation. It is this kind of adherence to the commandments of God and being obedient that will get us to the highest degree of glory. Allow me to share a story from one of the earlier saints, and this is a, a woman. Her name is Phoebe Woodruff. You may have heard of her before. Um, I know that it's her and I believe Eliza Snow that has talked quite frequently about whenever we discuss the topic of plural marriage. Um, And Phoebe says, When the principle of polygamy was first taught, I thought it must be the most wicked thing I ever heard of. As soon, however, as I became convinced that it originated as a revelation from God through Joseph, and knowing him to be a prophet, I wrestled with my Heavenly Father in fervent prayer to be guided aright, At that all-important moment of my life, the answer came, peace was given to my mind. I knew it was the will of God. So she was blessed not only for her faith, but also doing the basics by pursuing answers through prayer and scripture studying, by pondering and meditating and looking to align her heart, her perspective, her mind and her spirit with God. Now, if we turn to um, Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Do we believe these words or not? There's just no halfway in this gospel. We cannot pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. We either do or we don't and the earlier saints are a great example to us because they were all in even when they struggled and they didn't understand they seemed to be able to figure it out the majority of them make the right decision be faithful and by being obedient and keeping that commandment it has brought them to all righteousness which is a great great blessing for us to receive in this life Again, we either trust him, the Lord, or we don't. There's no middle ground. So if we trust in the Lord with all our heart and do not rely on our own understanding, then he will guide our lives. And I testify to this. This is definitely true. It is not uncommon for church members to have questions or concerns about plural marriage and our early history. Um, God has not revealed and does not require his children today to understand the details of plural marriage. You see, this was an exception to the teachings, to the rule. And the earlier saints were required to live this exception. This is not something for us to live now. And this is what Jared Halverson from Unshaken Saints podcast, he also has a YouTube channel, has very effectively explained. And so because we're not living the exception, um, we're living the rule at this time and during this dispensation, it can be really hard for us to put ourselves in the place of the earlier saints, what they were going through and why they would be given this commandment and how difficult it was for them to align their hearts with God and to accept the commandment and to live it. Um, All saints are promised that they can obtain a witness that Joseph Smith was God's prophet Who received commandments and revelation from him, and that Joseph faithfully lived according to the Lord's commands. So, we have been promised that with the restoration during this time of the gospel, that our prophet will not lead us astray, and that our prophet. The Lord would remove the man that sits in that position if they tried to lead us astray because God will have his way so we can always trust the prophet. I really um, was grateful to be able to do this research for this episode because as you know, and if you've been listening to my last few episodes, you know that I really struggled with uh, getting the vaccination. And um, still to this day, I don't really understand all. Um, But when I've prayed about it, just the word protection came to my mind when I asked what it was protection for or from, I didn't get any further answers. And I accept the fact that God has allowed me this much information and then has required of me to now exercise faith. And we're going to have our own moments where we're given commands in our lives, especially as we get closer and closer to the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ, where we're going to be asked to do really hard things. And God maybe doesn't have time for us to um, hem and haw and, you know, pray about it, to research it, to meditate and ponder it. and He just needs us to be like, okay, yes, I will go and do In this recent um, general conference, there was a talk that really struck my heart. And it was that God needs to be able to rely on our love for him. It needs to be consistent. And I think that the same principle applies, of course, to faith. He needs to be able to rely on our faith and it needs to be consistent. When have you trusted in the Lord and obeyed a difficult command? Or lean not unto your own understanding. How hard is it not to lean on the things that you <sighs> rationalize, the things that you um, you think you know better? I know that oftentimes I've experienced this and I still do that I know better than the Lord because I'm the one that's living it. Or um, we're given challenges and trials And we think we know how to handle it best. And so we're not maybe looking to the Lord enough and utilizing that atonement, the power that comes from the infinite atonement to bless our lives and to make our lives more peaceful and maybe even easier. How can we find answers and reassurances and still be faithful? Faithful by definition means that we just don't have all the details. We don't know everything, but we have enough to then exercise our faith in what we don't know when you do search for answers and this is the time to learn how to do that um, pray ponder fast whatever if you if you're someone that likes to go out into nature and really connect with the spirit there whatever your process may be please remember to record your thoughts and impressions and this is so important it's very important um, so that you can recollect Because being human, we just forget and pray for the Lord's help to know how to act in faith. The Lord did reveal some reasons for the practice of plural marriage. Um, What we don't understand, we'll never understand all of God's purposes, it's just the way it is. Um, But especially when it came to introducing plural marriage in this dispensation. but he has given us some of his reasons. For example, the Lord taught that the prophet, just Smith, the practice was part of the restoration of all things from previous dispensations. Um, another reason that we had been given for the practice of plural marriage is that he needed a righteous people. And The way to increase the number of children born into the gospel covenant is to practice plural marriage. And this was done in the Old Testament days as well. In this way, the Lord's people raise up seed unto him. So the early saints' efforts to obey this command resulted in the birth of large numbers of children within faithful Latter-day Saint homes. Uh, So how can we explain to those that are investigating our church or out of our faith and come from other faiths? What can we say? How can we um, help them to understand um, the great commandments require great faith? We believe in a modern day prophet of God. Therefore, know through scripture that the prophet will not lead us astray. We believe that the earlier commandment for plural marriage was instituted to fulfill the restoration of all things from previous dispensations. That includes baptism for the dead, the priesthood authority, it includes a lot, and plural marriage was part of that. We also believe in the articles of faith. So if you look at number six, we believe in the same organization that existed in the primitive church, namely apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and so forth. But then we also have um, number 12. Article of faith says we believe in being subject to kings, presidents, rulers and magistrates and obeying, honoring and sustaining the law. Uh, So there came a time when we had a prophet and I believe it was Wilford Woodruff who prayed diligently to know more about the commandment how long the commandment was to be in place and just to understand the details and expectations especially as the saints were being persecuted and more and more people in the country were pushing back on um, the saints especially because of the plural marriage and what they were doing in sustaining that commandment Uh, i wanted to share with you real quickly before we move on to wilford woodruff and what he had to say about it is uh, according to helen mar kimball um, joseph smith stated that the practice of this principle would be the hardest trial the saints would ever have to test their faith and you know what for me it would be a very very difficult trial as well i don't want to share my husband with anybody and again because we live in a time um, when everything is just so hypersexualized, we're not even when that thought comes to my mind i'm not even focused on Uh, what the Lord's looking to do and to raise a righteous people into himself. I'm more focused on um, probably the more adverse, perverted side of it. And um, I think sometimes because we live in the society that we do, we forget that these commandments are divine and we need to study them out so that we can open our minds and not be so narrow and understand the things of God. Um... Though it was one of the severest trials of her life for Helen Marr Kimball, she testified that it had also been one of the greatest blessings. And how often have you seen that in your own life when you've been tried and tested and it, it's just been hard, I mean, so hard, pushed to the brink of what you have to give and then pushed even farther and then maybe even farther again. But as time has gone on, you've been able to reflect in hindsight being 2020. You were able to see the great blessings that have come from it. And I've always been a big believer that out of a lot of hard, a lot of bad comes a lot of good. The prophet Joseph Smith described the trying mental ordeal that he experienced in overcoming what he calls the repugnance of his feelings relative to the introduction of the commandment of plural marriage. He knew the voice of God. He knew the commandment of the Almighty to him was to go forward. He knew that he had not only his own prejudices and prepossessions, which are beliefs to combat and to overcome, but those of the whole Christian world stared him in the face. But God, who is above all, had given the commandment and he must be obeyed. Remember, if we trust in the Lord with all our heart and do not rely on our own understanding, that he will guide our lives. I wanted to cover just briefly the um, manifesto from Wilford Woodruff. And uh, I'm going to read a portion of it. To whom it may concern. Now, he, if I remember correctly, the sequence of events, he is the one uh, prophet that ended up withdrawing the commandment for plural marriage after much prayer it says to whom it may concern press dispatches having been sent for political purposes from salt lake city which have been widely published to the effect that the utah commission in their recent report to the secretary of the interior alleged that plural marriages are still being solemnized and that 40 or so such marriages have been contracted in utah since last june or during the past year Also that in public discourses, the leaders of the church have taught, encouraged, and urged the continuance of the practice of polygamy. Now remember, the saints were being watched, and they at this time had already been through so much that they were being watched at these higher political levels, especially in the presidency. And if we refer back to the article of faith, number 12, we believe in being subject to kings, presidents, rulers, and magistrates, and obeying, honoring, and sustaining the law uh the prophet at the time recognized that um this was going to be very difficult because it could put the restoration in jeopardy he goes on to say i therefore as president of the church of jesus christ latter-day saints do hereby in the most solemn manner declare that these charges are false we are not teaching polygamy or plural marriage not permitting any person to enter into its practice and I deny that I either 40 or any other number of plural marriages have during that period been solemnized in our temples or in any other place in the territory. He says one case had been reported in which the parties alleged that the marriage was performed in the endowment house in Salt Lake City in the spring of 1889. But I have not been able to learn who performed the ceremony. Whatever was done in this matter was without my knowledge. In consequence of this alleged occurrence, the endowment house was, by my instructions, taken down without delay. You notice a pattern here, how the prophets always acquiesce to the law of the land. He goes on, Inasmuch as laws have been enacted by Congress forbidding plural marriages, which laws have been pronounced constitutional by the court of last resort, I hereby declare my intention to submit to those laws and to use my influence with the members of the church over which I preside to have them do likewise. There's nothing in my teachings to the church or in those of my associates during the time specified which can be reasonably construed to in inculcate or encourage polygamy and when any elder of the church has used language which appeared to convey any such teaching he has been promptly reproved. So at this point we kept to the article of faith and the prophet after consulting the Lord um, instituted that basically the law of plural marriage was to be withdrawn. Now Lorenzo Snow who uh, was a prophet as well he offered the following I move that recognizing Wilford Woodruff as the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the only man on the earth at the present time who holds the keys of the sealing ordinances, this is very important, we consider him fully authorized by virtue of his position to issue the Manifesto, which has been read in our hearing and which is dated September 24th of 1890, and that as a church and general conference assembled, we accept his declaration concerning plural marriages as authoritative and binding. The prophet has the keys for sealing ordinances. He was the only one who could seal people in the temple and marriages, and he was guided to withdraw that command from the Lord because of the law of the land. Um, It goes on to say in the manifesto that the Lord will never permit me, and this is Wilford Woodruff, or any other man who stands as president of this church to lead you astray. It's not in the program. It's not in the mind of God. If I were to attempt that, the Lord would remove me out of my place, and so he will any other man who attempts to lead the children of ministry from the oracles of God and from their duty. Please remember this as you run into um, just things that are inevitably going to happen and you're struggling. Remember that you can always, always trust the prophet of the Lord, that he receives all of his commands, all of his directions from Christ himself. i want to share more of this manifesto but just for the sake of time i really want to encourage you guys to go look for it if you type in excerpts from three addresses by president wilford woodruff into the search box at the church of jesus christ.org it will come up and i really encourage you to go to go read it it's important that as members of the church that um, we understand and have a testimony and sustain uh, these earlier saints who were tried in one of the most difficult ways. And we need to sustain them. We need to have our own testimony of what they went through and to know for ourselves that this was a commandment straight from God and the reasons why. Typically, what I've seen repeatedly is that any time this command has been given, it's because God is looking to raise a righteous people. This has nothing to do with any type of sexuality in particular. And I reiterate this because in the world, whenever I have the opportunity to have this conversation with people, they always make it nasty, disgusting and gross. I even had somebody comment something on one of my um, posts on Instagram at LDSRPRL podcast about one of my plural marriage posts. And of course, it always goes to the 14-year-old that was sealed to Joseph. I just want to remind you that in the 19th century, people got married at a young age. Um, My grandmother, actually my great-grandmother, was married when she was 11 or 12 years old this is just what was normal for the time Uh, especially if you really truly understand how these people lived at that time Um, you didn't have time to be a child for very long Uh, you were put to work immediately and you know 11 and 12 year olds in 19th century were far different from 11 and 12, 12 year olds in the 21st century they had already seen so much and lived such a very hard hard life so it's so important to put context and perspective around that time also if you really do the research and studying on um the marriages these were not men that um were hypersexual whatsoever. These were men that were obedient, that sought after the Lord, that lived a life where they were seeking and searching and thinking of the Lord all day long. These were not men that were womanizers. They had didn't have any of these reputations. These were not men that had, you know, children by other people. Even Joseph only had children with his wife. And uh, I think it's important that we truly understand this, that this was done for a divine purpose and that's it um we still have a lot to know and learn which i trust the lord to reveal at his perfect timing and i'm used to waiting upon the lord i apologize for the length of the episode Thank you for joining us this week. And as always, please stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Until next time, God bless and much love and aloha. Mm-hmm.